Welcome to the Gathering at Adel's Sermon of the Week. This message is by Pastor Jeff Hopkins. As you listen, we pray that you will be encouraged, empowered, and enriched. Thank you. God bless. Before we get started in the Word, I was prompted by by a man in the church to pray for somebody, and it resonated with me. Hey, Jocelyn, do you mind? I, like, I, There's like nothing, no preparation. Do you mind if you come on up? We just want to pray over you. If you don't know Jocelyn, come on up. Come on, come on. You're going to. I said, would you like to? And I'm like, get up here. <laughs> Jocelyn, how, how old are you? 11. Jocelyn's 11, and she's leading a Bible study at her elementary. And I think what, what we just felt like we wanted to do was just <laughs> give her a round of applause, but... I felt like what we needed to do was pray over this young lady because where, yes, it brings joy to her heart and to Jesus, but to where it can not make you the most popular kid in school. And so what we're going to do is we're going to pray for perseverance and strength for you so that even in the face of trials, even in the face of opposition, you don't move because the Lord's called you to it. And you're going to do it, okay? So if you want to just pray with me over Jocelyn right now. So, Father, we pray over Jocelyn. Thank you for the stirring that you have in her heart. Not only for the stirring, but for the gifts that you have over her, that you've placed in her. And so, Father, we just pray over her right now that this would be blessed, not because of her, but because your name is exalted in that place. Father, we pray that you would give her the strength to persevere, even in the midst of trials and of opposition. Father, may she never waver. Father, may she get none of the credit and none of the glory. May everything that people say about it go right back to you. Father, protect her heart from attacks, from fear from feeling unworthy and too small. Father, every lie that the enemy has spoken over her, we break it right now in the name of Jesus, and we just speak the truth of your word and of your love over her. May she walk in the fullness that you have for her all the days of her life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Joe. Well, uh, you probably noticed we're not just a traditional church, and maybe you enjoy that, maybe you don't, but that's just kind of where we are. Uh, I try to just be real before you guys. There's no show with me. Uh, What you see is what you get. I think for so long, pastors have tried to be somebody, you know, more concerned about a, a following than the calling. We've turned the word, in, uh, word of God and we've prostituted ourselves at the expense of the gospel. Look at the people who, who furthered the gospel. They all died a horrible death. 
but yet now we prostitute ourselves for book deals and big buildings and ministries and recognition and fame and money and popularity? Is that what the gospel is amounted to today? To bring a good word so that I can get a new book deal? To bring a new word so that I can have fancy shoes and clothing and a big new building? The gospel was never about profiting. It cost them their very lives. But yet, where are we with the gospel? We use it for our gain. We gripe when people are offended at us for our Christian beliefs or, or we're what we call persecution in America. The early church would laugh at us. Not just the early church, the church in Afghanistan, which is the fastest growing church on the planet, in midst of persecution, they would laugh at us at what we deem persecution because it's not profiting us. It's not to our benefit. Well, newsflash, the gospel is not for your benefit for this earth. The gospel was never meant for your benefit for this earth. It was to set you right with a God that you could not get right with on your own. There was a chasm far too wide that you could never cross. There was a debt that you owed that you would never be able to pay. But yet we take that and we cheapen it. And we make it about us. So I might not have the flashiest message. I'm just a poor, simple man. Opening up the word. I'm not poor because I've got no money. I'm poor because I count all of this as loss. I'm not simple because I'm uneducated. I'm simple because the gospel is simple. We've made it so complicated, so many more rules. And, and we talk about the rules and, and the regulations of the Old Testament, of the Old Covenant, of the Old Way. And all we've done is just shine them up and made them our own. Have to take off your hat to go into church. Have to wear your Sunday best. Have to, have to get right with the Father before you can enter into his house. If you don't know the Christianese language, then you don't fit in. Paul said, I don't come to you with wise and persuasive words, but I come to you with a demonstration of power. The gospel was never about persuading anyone into the kingdom. With our words, it was always with a demonstration of not just the power through the miracles and the signs and the wonders, but through the miracle of miracles where we were made right with him. Where now we can have peace with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. We're, we're in the book of Galatians, and you look, Galatians 1, and Paul's like, I am astonished that you guys have fallen away, and, and you've gone to another gospel. Not that there's another gospel, but you've gone to this other thing. You've gone back to what was before with the rules and the regulations, they had people that were coming in to Galatia and saying, hey, Jesus is good, it's, it's, that's right, but you have to add him 
to this. It's not just Jesus. It's Jesus and the law. Jesus and rules. Jesus and regulations. Jesus and the festivals. Jesus and the customs. Jesus and this. But the truth is the gospel is Jesus. It is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's not the good news of the festival of lights. It's not it. It's a good one. Celebrate it if the Lord leads you to. But the good news is that Jesus Christ died for our sins. He took our sins upon him. He died a death that we deserve for the wages of sin is death. And we've all fallen short of the glory of God. He took that death. He died that death and he rose again and he conquered sin and death and every enemy that could ever come against you so that we could live. He died so that we could live a life that we don't deserve. And they took it and they went back to rules and regulations. They took it and they wanted to go back to the veil. They, they wanted the, the holy of holies. And, and you don't go in there ourselves, but we'll let one person go in once a year. They wanted to go back. And, and I'm afraid that we, we've gone so far that way where, where we say we're not rules and regulations. It's the grace. But yet for some reason, we've made this the veil and you've made me the priest that only I can go there. Or that maybe only I'm supposed to go there. And then I bring you whatever he has to tell you that you don't have access to. The veil was torn. The gospel, the good news is that all men, all women, that, that we were slaves to sin, but now we're sons and daughters. That where it was limited to access for one person, once a year. Now you have as much access to it as you want. You don't have to come and go into the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies resides in you. We've given people a hard time on, on, that, on trying to teach kids. And, and you know, we, we say, hey, welcome Jesus into your heart. And I know that's not the proper theology. But yet we've given people such a hard time for sharing the good news of Jesus. Because does he live in our heart? I, we don't really even know that too. But what we do know is that he lives inside of us. That our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Why, why do we bash people that are trying to share the good news and get it into the kids? Who cares if the theology is off just a little bit? The wording's just a little bit. Uh, I don't really like that. Is the concept right? Is Jesus Christ being proclaimed? Is he being exalted? Because what happened before and we've fallen into that is it becomes rules and regulations where, where we take it and in Galatians 2, which is where we are this week, we're really not going to be going through 1 through 10. We went through that on Wednesday night, which was phenomenal. If y'all aren't a part of family night, you should come and be a part of family night. And we just dig into the word a little bit more than what we have here. But you look where, where the, the Judaizers, the Jews that were believed in Jesus, they, they wanted to add him to the law and make it all about Jesus and the law. And what happened is Peter went to Antioch to start the church. And it says, starting in verse 11, it'll, it'll be up there uh, on the screen for you. It says, but when Cephas, which is Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For he regularly ate with the Gentiles before certain men from James came. However, when they came, he withdrew and separated himself because he feared those from the circumcision party. 
Then the rest of the Jews joined his hypocrisy, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, I told Cephas, which is Peter, in front of everyone, if you who are a Jew live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? This is verse 15. We are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. And yet because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. This was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. But if we ourselves are also found to be sinners while seeking to be justified by Christ, is Christ then a promoter of sin? Absolutely not. Verse 18. If I rebuild those things which, that I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and no, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Last week we talked that the law has saved no man. No person is ever justified by the law. It says that if we could be justified by the law, then Christ died for nothing. To be justified, that word in the Greek means to count someone righteous, to look upon as righteous. So we are justified by faith in Jesus Christ. We are justified. We are counted righteous by our faith in Jesus Christ. And that is the simplicity of the gospel. There, there are no other rules and regulations. We are justified by faith, not by our works, so that no man can boast. Being a Christ follower is about dying to ourselves, living a life dependent on Jesus with a new identity rooted in faith and in love. And I know there's a lot in there. And man, when you really dig into this passage, here's the goal. The goal is not to cover it all today. It never will happen. We could spend years on Galatians 2.20. Because every time we think we have it figured out, a new level, a new revelation of his grace will be revealed to us. But we're going we're gonna to try to work through a little bit today. But the goal is that you take today, the Holy Spirit teaches you, leads you, guides you. And then, then tonight, tomorrow morning, you dig into his word and you allow him to speak that truth into you. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Crucified with Christ. What a heartwarming message today. I have been crucified with Christ to where the Judaizers would try to add Jesus to the law. We do the same thing when we don't want to die to ourselves, when we want to invite Jesus to come alongside us. To, to, where, to where the old Jeff doesn't want to die. To where I want to continue to exist the way that I was, but I'll be a little bit better because I'll have Jesus with me. I, I don't want to totally transform my language and the way that I speak to people. 
But when I do mess up, then I'll ask for forgiveness. Where, where Jesus is saying, no, that, that's not right at all, that he wants to totally not just redeem, pay for the way that we talk, but he also wants to put inside of us his Holy Spirit that will regenerate our hearts so that we don't even desire to talk that way anymore. It's not that we just want to just be a better version of ourselves. I think so many times, and I mean, how many, how many hundreds and thousands of books have been written, and, and it, it's the best you that you can be, the you know, you 2.0. I mean, there, there's hundreds and thousands of these books where all they want and pages are filled with all the idea of you trying to become a better version of yourself to where you don't sin as much, to where you don't look at porn as much, to where you don't drink as much. And then you compare yourself to others to make sure that you're still better than what you're supposed to, better than what everyone else around you is, but you're still not where you are because you can't do that work yourself. I, I can't be, there is, there's not a better version of Jeff Hopkins out there. I, I can't try hard enough, work hard enough, and become a better person on my own. That Jeff Hopkins had to die so that this Jeff Hopkins could live. And it's not this Jeff Hopkins that's living, but it's Christ that's living in me. If you knew me before, y'all would not hear me preach. Y'all would discount everything that I say because you'd be like, I ain't listening to you. You were a jerk. I knew you. I, I was at a basketball game a few years ago, and there was a kid uh, that, that I went to school with. His name was Derek Smith. And, uh, man, I was uh, brutal to Derek Smith. And we were watching a basketball game together. He doesn't live in Strawn anymore. And uh, he came back, and... We were just kind of talking, and he, he goes, so what do you do now? I was like, uh, you know, I, I'm, a pa I'm a pastor. He's like, no, really, man, what do you do? I was like, I was like no, really, man, I, I really am. And he started to get angry. He's like, dude, just you can't, 20 years later, you're still going to mess with me? I'm like, man, I'm not messing with you anymore. Like, I had to actually show him, like, the church website. Like, hey, look, I didn't make that. Because a better version of Jeff Hopkins is still not the best version out there. A better version of Jeff Hopkins is not enough. Jeff Hopkins had to die so that Christ could live in me. Because when we die, we're crucified with Christ. When you begin to look in the, like, I'm not, I'm, I told you I'm a simple man. I, I'm not. I'm not wise, I'm not an English major or anything, but when you begin to look at the tense that that word was written in, in the Greek, it was written in the passive present tense, which means that it was done for me back then, but I was back there when it happened. There was a, a story of a 93-year-old a uh, Baptist pastor. He finally made, made his way to the Holy Land, and uh, he, he had his tour guide, and he said, hey, I want to go. I want to go where Jesus was crucified. And he said, I, I don't think you can make it, bud. I, I got to get there. And the story goes that the, the man fell down, and he, he began to weep at the spot. And the, the tour guide goes, I, I thought this was your first time. Have you been here before? And he said, I was here 2,000 years ago. It's that mentality that I was 
crucified with Christ. Where it happened for me, but not only did it happen for me, but it happened to me. We have to die to ourselves. If you don't die, then Christ can't live. That's the only way that it works. If you don't die, he can't live in you. The beauty is that when we are crucified with Christ, through Christ's crucifixion, it says that he overcame the power of sin and death. If you remember in Revelation, I believe it's chapter 1, starting in maybe verse, it's in the 20s. I told you I'm not all of that, but maybe in the 20s he said, I, John says, look, and I saw, and I saw someone, and he said, look, hey, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I was dead, but now I'm alive, and I hold the keys to Hades and to death. Oh, death, where is your sting? Sin has no power over us anymore when we die the crucifixion that Jesus died. If we continue to live our own lives and live the best version of us and we live the best me, then, then you will never achieve what he has for you. Because you will always battle the things that you've always battled. You will bat, if, you're, if your dad was an alcoholic and your grandpa was an alcoholic and your great-grandfather, then, then you will struggle with that. Because you, when you are crucified with Christ, not only are, are your sins forgiven, but your sin nature is gone. Where before you were helpless against sin, where you had no choice but to sin because it had power over you, according to Romans chapter 6, it says that we were enslaved to sin. But now when we're crucified with Christ, we get to partake in his resurrection. And in his resurrection, we have the Holy Spirit that comes in us through, his, through the baptism. The Holy Spirit comes in us and regenerates our hearts. Not only does he break the power or, or the punishment of sin, but he breaks the power of sin, which I mentioned last week. Sin has no power over you. I, I, I think some people need to hear that today because I think you just keep falling into sin. You keep struggling with the same thing over and over because you think that you're powerless to it. You think that you can't help it because your dad did this, your mom did this, or I've been dealing with this forever. I've been struggling with addiction forever. I've been struggling with money forever. Sin Addiction has no power over you in Christ Jesus. No one can make you sin. We, you, you have that cute little cartoon. And it's not really cute. It's the, the angel on one and the, the demon on the other. And, you know, they're going back and forth. The enemy cannot make you sin. It has no power over you. Through the crucifixion of Jesus, I have been crucified with Christ. And now we are a new creation. Being a Christ follower is about dying to self and, try, and living a life dependent on Jesus. With a new identity rooted in faith and in love. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. For me, when I, when I look at that and I, I just ask the Lord, Lord, teach me on that. What, what does that look like? I no longer live. My plans, my purposes, my desires, my ambitions, my interests all have to die. 
the things that I used to enjoy that did not bring him glory and honor, I do not get, I, I don't get the choice to enjoy those things anymore. You understand? Like it's not even a choice. Uh, oh, oh I, th- this is okay. It's just got a little bit of this. I don't have the choice to watch that, to entertain myself with that. Because my own desires and my own ambition and my own interests die. And he lives in me. That's what we talked about last week, Psalm uh, 37, 4. Like, that, that he g- gives us the desires for those, you know, that love him. He'll give the desires of, give you the desires of your heart. The beauty is that when we are crucified with him and he lives in us, the desires of our heart match his desires. That's where we get confused because we think that the desires of our heart is a new truck. <laughs> the desires of our heart is a, a, a promotion, a, a this or that. A, and it's like, man, what, what, is, what desire needs to be crucified? What wrong thinking do I have so that he can come through me? I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. As Christ lives on us, we have to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Christ lives in us. The Holy Spirit lives in us and it transforms us from the inside out to where our desires, our ambitions, and our interests are now His. The life that I live now is not my own. When, when, I, when Jeff Hopkins wakes up in the morning, I do not get to go, hey, what do I want to do today? I go, Father, you've called me to be at this place at this time. I'm going to be around this group of guys for this work day. How can I, how can I share the gospel? How can I... How can I radiate your glory in in this construction job site? And you'll be surprised over and over and over how many opportunities. Because I, I died. I do not get the choice that everybody else gets. And neither do you. It's, it's not I died and I'm the pastor, I, I've submitted to this. No, no, the, the calling is for all Christ's followers to die to yourself so that he can live in you because when he lives in you, he transforms you and he changes you and now your kids have the dad that they need. The kids have the mom that they desire. When we are transformed, it's very, very often it's not for us it's for the next generation that comes after us. Sure, the Lord needs, needs to, to transform me for me. But I have eight, nine, if you count, daughter-in-laws, which I think you do since they're here in the room. You know, <laughs> I have nine responsibilities that are looking to me to be transformed I don't have the right to squander that. The cost is far too great. We are so flippant with sin in our lives 
because we don't realize the cost of it. I live by faith in the Son of God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. I looked at that. So Okay, so I was crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives with me. The life that I now live in the body, I live in faith of Jesus, of the Son of God. So I began to just think about that. What, what does that look like for me to live a life of faith? Faith, according to Hebrews, it says that faith is, what, does anybody want to quote it? Faith. Substance of what we hoped for, evidence of things that we have not seen yet. To live a life by, of faith in the Son of God says, hey, you know what, I put all my confidence in him. All my eggs are in that basket right there. I, I've dedicated my entire life to those eggs in that basket. Faith is to have full confidence in him. So what does that look like for me to live a life of faith in full confidence? What does it look like for, for you to walk in full confidence that God is able to do exactly what he says he, he can do and he'll do it right when he needs to do it? Have you ever struggled with that when God will do it right when he says he'll do it, not right when you think he should? Faith goes, oh, I thought that was it, but maybe I missed it. But I trust you. I, I, I don't know how this relationship is going to get restored, but I have full confidence that he is able to do even more than we can imagine. I, I, I don't know how this bill is going to get paid. I don't know how my kids are going to get braces. I don't know how my car is going to get fixed. I don't know this. I don't know that. I don't know this. I don't know how this job is going to work out. I don't know how this church is going to work out. I don't know how my marriage, I don't know. But all I'm doing is I'm saying I've put all my eggs in that basket. And I'm going, that's who I'm living for. I have full faith, full confidence that he is able to do everything that he says he can do. And he'll do it right when he needs to do it. To live a life of faith means that I am not dependent on myself. I've died to myself so that he can live. In the life that I now live, I live dependent on him. You know, so many of our problems are self-inflicted. Where, where we hold something that's not even ours to hold. Where we take control of something that's not even ours to control. Faith says, hey, you know what, I'm going to let go of that. And I'm going to wait and see what the Lord is going to do. I think so many times we, we struggle with that because we think that we know what the right outcome should be. We think we know the full story. The truth is that when we let go of it, He's able to do so much more. I live by faith in the Son of God. To me, that means obedience to Him. Like, like with your kids, you know, if you have, hey, you're trying to get them to do something and it's like, hey, just trust me. 
It's okay. Just trust me. Jump over here. It's going to be okay. They, they have to, in that moment, they have to decide, do they have faith in you? And, and maybe one or twice you've moved your hand and they fell in the water. and Maybe that's not right. But, but, but maybe for this instance, I've never done that. But what you're asking them to do is put all of your faith in me. Do you trust me? When, when, when we ask our kids, hey, you know what? No, no, no phones upstairs. Uh, hey, we're gonna go. We're not gonna play video games all hours of the day and night. We're not gonna do these things that everybody else is doing. What we're saying is, I want you to obey me because you can trust me. You can trust that I know what is right for you. Uh, Max was our second. Uh, by far the most social kid that we've had up to this point. We had Noah that was first. Noah's back there with the previously mentioned daughter-in-law <laughs> rolling her eyes. And, and sometimes it was, it, it's, it was good for me to raise my kids in the town that I grew up in because I know everything that they can get into, right? And so Noah, Noah never asked to do any of those things. He, right, he Great kid. Max is a good kid. Max was like, one day he was like, hey, Dad, hey, is all right if we just go down to the creek and swim? I go, negative, sir. He goes, no, Dad, it's just, I go, no, 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 I'm going to stop you there. I know just what it is. I did it. I told my mom, who's here, just what it is. And I did it, even though she said not to. Max thankfully obeyed. But like, he's like, hey, Dad, it's just this. I said, but I know the water's three inches deep, but right in that one spot, it's six feet deep, and you think you can hit it. You can't hit that. There's a rock right there. You know, and it's just like, I just want you to trust me, to live a life full of faith that when, when the door is shut, you go, oh, man, Lord, thank you for that protection. Instead of throwing a big old sissy fit. Y'all ever done that? Like, oh, man, you just throw a fit before the Lord. But a life that lives by faith goes, Lord, I see that closed door. And I'm not, I'll promise you, you're not going to be there on the first try, okay? If you are, we'll swap places next week, okay? You know? But, like, to see that closed door and go, thank you, Father. I see that. Or you see the open door and you go, uh don't really think I want to walk through that door, right, Shackleford's, where the door's wide open and he goes, go, and you're like, a life lived by faith goes, hey, if it's a closed door, I'm going to stop and I'm going to thank the Father for that. If it's an open door, I'm going to run through it with passion and zeal that he has for me. To live a life of faith means that I'm going to obey him fully and completely. Last one on, on this, and we'll go down to that last one, but I live by faith in the Son of God. How do we do that? Through perseverance. We have been misled that the life of faith, the Christian life is the hashtag blessed life. It is blessed because we are made right with our Father and Creator and nothing can ever be taken away from us for that. But where we get confused is when we run into trials and then we say, but God, I love you, but God, I thought you loved me. But God, what about this? But God, what about this person and that person? They have those things. They get to do those things. That, that when we run into times of trial and hardships, a life that we live by faith goes, I'm not going to waver. What, what, 
right up before this in verse 14, it says, but when I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, when we do not, to me, a life of faith means not deviating. I'm not going to deviate. Deviate means go to the left or right, get off course, get off path. But to live a life of faith means, man, I'm just going to go. This is where you told me I'm going to go there. And I'm not going to stop. And last one right here. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You will not walk with someone long term if you don't think they love you. If you're following God out of fear, it will only last so long. If you, if you did it just to get your hell insurance policy, it, it will only last until the first trial happens, till the first difficult time, till the first person says you're weird. Like, it, it'll just be done. But if you come to the understanding that goes, but I, I'm crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but he lives in me. The life I now live, I live in the body through faith in the Son of God because he loved me and gave himself for me. Do you understand that he loved you so well? Like he didn't say, hey, I want you guys to go be crucified. No, he said, hey, I'm going to give myself to you. I'm going to give myself up for you. I will be crucified. And you partake in my crucifixion and my death, but you don't have to physically die. Not only do you not have to physically die, now that now we have no fear of death. Like Christ died a death that was ours. And so now, what, what's death got on me? What, I'm, I'm going to miss the 2024 election if I die tomorrow? Man, thank the Lord for that, Right? These new taxes coming in this year, going to miss that. Okay. You're like, what, what's death? Like, what's so scary about death for a Christ follower? Everything we miss on this earth, it, it doesn't matter. It pales in comparison. I, I know you're probably like doubting my family and all that. Sure. But I'm before my creator, the lover of my soul. There will be no regrets when that day comes. He loved me and he gave himself for me. The beauty and the simplicity of the gospel is that he did it out of love, not out of spite. Not because Adam sinned and he had to do it. He did it because he loved us. He loves you fully and completely. His love is what motivates us to live lives that are pleasing to him, not out of fear or selfish ambitions. Sometimes people want to follow Jesus because it, it helps them out. It's not going to. It's going to cost you everything. The entirety of the gospel is that love compelled God to give up his son and for the son to walk in complete obedience because of the love of his father. And the love of his people. You can sum up the, the, the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. Is that he did it out of love. Not out of obligation. You can always tell the difference. 
He loves you and he gave himself up for you. That compels me to give everything that I have for him. Coming home from a peewee football game late last night, really late last night. Person in front of me has their flashers on. It's like, you know, it's 45. I mean, it's like 930 at night. I told you it's really late. We're like an hour and a half from home. And you're like, man. And they were from Strong. They call, hey, man, car's not working. And, I, you know, like Sunday mornings, I wake up at 4. And I'm like, oh, all right, so you're going to be late. You know, he's like, hey, can you help me? Kids were in the car, not, not, even a, not even a thought of, you know. I said, yeah, let's do it. Pull over. No jumper cables of either of us, of course. So I called my wife. We were in separate cars, so not for any fighting or anything. We just, she hit a deer, so we had to take two cars, blah, 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 whatever. So I just don't want, like, any misinformation to go around, like, because she's not here today, kid is sick, whatever. Uh, <laughs> you'll have to, like, rewind that, re-listen to that to get it all. I called my wife. Hey, babe, turn around. We need the jumper cables. Jump off the car. It dies again. You're like, man. And so we have a large family. We were without half of our large family. They have a large family. And so we had two cars. And I mean, it's like, hey, let's just pile in two cars and figure it out. And let's just get home. There was not one ounce of obligation. Not one ounce of Oh, this is going to be inconvenient. And it was. But love will compel you to do things that fear or selfish ambitions never will. Love will, will cause you to drop everything for the Father. If I truly love him, because let's be honest, I didn't give that guy a ride for me or for him. I did it because out of obedience to the Father. Because he loves me so fully and completely that I can love my brother so fully and completely. I'm just going to ask a few questions and then allow the Lord to speak to you, to respond, and then we'll, we'll get out of here. The first question is, have you, have you fully died? Every area of your life have you put on the altar? Is there any area in your life that you go, oh man, I Still holding on to this. Whatever that first thing that came up is, whatever caused you to look at your spouse, whatever that, whatever the Lord spoke there, that's it. It's simple. Do you have full confidence that the Lord is able to do all that he says he can do? And can I tell you, he's even better than you think. Do you, are, is there an area in your life where you're not walking in full confidence that he's able to do everything that he said he can do? Do your words, your thoughts, and your actions match that same faith? Is there any area of life that you feel like you're not walking in complete and full obedience to him? Has he called you to something and you're resisting? Has he called you to stop something and you're resisting? And then the last one is, would you like to know what it is to be loved by him even more? We're going to, it's just real simple what we're going to do. We're going to close our eyes, not because uh, we're going to try to pull a fast one on you, but just because there's distractions. 
going to close our eyes and we're just going to ask the Father. I'm going to read those questions again. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to just prompt you. And then you're going to do, do business with the Father on your own. No one else. My eyes closed. It says, here it is. The first one is, have you fully died? Is there any area in your life that you're still holding on to? Do you have full confidence that God is able to do what he says he'll do when he says he'll do it? Do your thoughts, your words, and your actions show that you live a life of faith? Is there any place that he's calling you to go and you're resisting? Is there any place he's telling you to stop going and you're not obeying? And the last one is, would you like to know his love for you more fully? We're just going to take just a moment to just respond to that. Father, we just pose these questions to you, not, not for our benefit, but for your glory, for your kingdom to be advanced in every life, every family that's represented here today. May you stir in our hearts. Father, we love you, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, we got a couple of announcements uh, and then we'll get out of here. The first one is, it's going to be on the screen, I think, I hope. Let's see. First one is family, cam uh, the camp out. We have like a camp out coming up. Okay. So this camp out, we partner with our Brock campus. There is a piece of paper on here that talks about it. I, I do want to tell you, it's going to be a great time. There, it's a time where we get to just hang out. It's a Friday night, all day Saturday Brock will be out there on Sunday morning doing their own thing. We have two campuses for you uh, people that are new. We will have service here that Sunday morning. Brock will have service out there, but we'll, we'll still have service here. But you guys, you can just text this word camp out, and uh, Brock is handling all of that just so they know what you're going to eat. But there, this handout has everything that you need. And as of right now, there are very few Adel people registered. So if you are planning on going, register. If you're not, it's okay. No worries. Uh, but... I think, most, I think all the staff will be out there and we'll have a great time. It's like skeet shooting. There's Nerf gun wars for the kids. There's fishing, canoeing, kayaking, free food, worship it by the campfire every night, devotional in the morning, and it's just a time to just hang out and fellowship. Second one is, ooh, family nights. This is something that we've been talking about. We started, calm down back there. Uh, we, we started this a couple of weeks ago where we have family night. It's the classes for adults up here on Wednesday nights. And then there, there is kids, youth, child care, adults, free food, free. Uh, we've been doing pizza, sandwiches, stuff like that. It's from 6 to 8. And all we're going to do is this week we're in Galatians chapter 3. So starting today, you're going to start reading Galatians 3. We're going to gather up in a circle, and we're just going to share. Everybody's going to share something that the Lord's teaching them, revealing to them. And it's a great time for where we can be encouraged by one another and sharpen one another. And the last announcement is from Miss Lisa. You don't have to walk all the way up here. What is this? Why Are you tricking me over here, people? Hi, guys. 
Um, a while ago, I, I shared about a mama's ministry that I lead called Quivers. And we just get together every once in a while for coffee dates or play dates. And a couple weeks ago, Jeff announced a play date for me. Um, but we have a coffee date at Serve in Alito. It's a coffee shop, but they have an awesome outdoor space where the kids can play in the sand and they can run around in the grass. And it's just really fun. And it's a great time of fellowship just to get together um, and come um, just talk and be encouraged by one another. Um, we are raising arrows. Our kids are arrows in our Warrior King's hand. And we need each other to be encouraged to continue on um, because it's hard. <laughs> Being a mom is hard, but it's also very rewarding. So I want to just invite you to come hang out with me and my kiddos at Serve Coffee and Goods in Alito on Tuesday at 10 a.m. Um, I have do not have my phone number on that slide, so I will be around in the sanctuary. If you're interested in coming and you want to grab my number, um, I would love that. That way you can um, contact me if you are need more information or just, just want to connect. So um, thank you, and I hope you can come. Yeah, honestly, you know, it's great to see where women, encouraging women, because so often women tear women down for insecurity, lack of, you know, goodwill towards one another. And so uh, you want to talk about, if you're a mom and you just need that, I promise you, Miss Lisa back there, it will be life-giving to you, okay? Can I, can I say that enough to you? If you are a mom with kids, go talk to her, the coffee, whatever. Maybe you can get a Dr. Pepper instead, which I would recommend. But, uh, but really, to go and be filled up, refreshed, Lisa, she will definitely give life to you and to your family. So there it is. Love you guys. Y'all can go grab your kiddos if they're not with you. <laughs> we